if you're a brand, be an authentic brand and tell your story across all platforms. Do not just be a one platform type media. So newsletters are still effective. Honestly, podcast is extremely, extremely effective. So I encourage thought leaders and uh, uh, people in different departments in their companies to create something like uh, a podcast. Um, there's still a lot of room to grow. Welcome to Supercharge with Digital Market Star, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss everything related to entrepreneurship and how marketing is important for your success in business venture. I'm your host and also the founder of Market Star, Crystal, and with me is my co-host and also my co-founder, Kazuki. In today's episode, we'll be breaking down the topic of navigating culture and business. Vietnamese traditions and modern entrepreneurship. It is our privilege to sit down with Johnny, founder of VQ, and try to learn from his story and his experience. So hi, Johnny. Thank you so much for being here with us today. So just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what's your journey of becoming an entrepreneur? Absolutely. Well, thank you to you both for having me on your show. I've been listening to you guys, so uh, definitely I'm excited to talk about my journey. So a little bit about myself. I am a creator, music creator specifically. I've been trained in the music arts um, since I was uh, even way before my teens. And I thought that was going to be my career. I thought music in terms of singing and performing on stage was going to be my past. But I ended up actually doing, I did that, but I ended up doing a lot more. I got more fascinated actually with the behind the scenes. So such as uh, working more in the production side, I've had many, um, career, uh, not careers, but I have uh, uh, many opportunities to work in live production, both pageants, concerts, a range of variety shows. One that I'm going to be talking a lot more in particular is uh, a variety program for the Vietnamese diaspora community, where I got to travel to many parts of the world outside of Little Saigon, California, to explore these um, Vietnamese uh, communities. And then for a good part of my late 20s, that was kind of where my true entrepreneur journey began. I, and I have to thank my, my first and foremost, my, uh, my wife for helping me on this journey because as, a, as an entertainer and working in production, it gave me the ability to travel all around the world. However, we were in a long distance relationship. She was in Northern California. I was in Southern California. And uh, she's like, we're going to take this relationship to the next level. You got you to gotta stay still <laughs> and do, um, do one thing. So I um, ended up that summer, I got to work with somebody who is now also my brother-in-law, but he's a serial entrepreneur by full definition. And I was able to learn how to identify opportunities in businesses learn how to quickly learn how to operate them, and then also learn how to build teams as they start generating revenue. So I got really fascinated with the world of startups and um, kind of gave up my, that whole world of um, entertainment for a bit. And then my journey in about 2018, 2019 was kind of 
where uh, it gets most interesting because I started finding out more about creating a, uh, a digital media platform that specifically tells a story for the, uh, the next generation, Gen Zs, of, uh, for the Vietnamese uh, communities, but specifically the Vietnamese diaspora, which to most Vietnamese speakers, that we, uh, uh, the term VQ stands for overseas Vietnamese. So um, I, expand, I expand on that a lot through the different types of content that I, um, that, that I uh, produce and, and talk about. Well, that's super exciting. You know, like having you on board for this podcast is really means a, it really means a lot to us, especially, you know, you have your backgrounds in the startups and not only that, you have the many years of experiences. So my second question is, what set your media company, VQ, apart from others in the industry? Like, can you give us more details of, you know, how, how different they are from compared to the other companies? And we'd love to know a little bit more of how VQ is kind of serving the community as well. So to answer that question, I, I want to share about my background in media. So while I worked in live production, I also had the opportunity to work as a producer for a TV station for the Vietnamese um, community here in, in America. Back in 2009, there was a TV station by the name of VHN, which stands for Viet Hanoi, Vietnamese Living Abroad. And they were looking for a, a younger producer to kind of draw content for the next generation. So at that time, I learned how to create long form content. And I also learned how to do segment production, uh, segment pieces, such as um, news pieces. They had me be a news anchor one time, which was not something I really like doing. I like, I'm a guy that likes to go out on the field. I like doing very exciting type of content and uh, doing the news was uh, just not for me. So when I, I took a break from entertainment and media, I was researching, how do you reach out to the finding, finding content for, uh, for America, uh, English speaking Vietnamese and, or for the next generation? I couldn't find anything. I found Instagram accounts that did like memes and funny content and a lot of food content, which shows, yes, Vietnamese have amazing food, uh, but. Oh yeah, definitely. But we're more than the best, isn't it? We're, we're, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I'm, I'm happy to see there were so many pho memes and bun mees and all that and cafe sodas and iced coffees, but we, there's, there's a lot more to it. So I, I went on a journey first, actually I called it Big Q Media, but I, ended up actually building more of a database and a network. Uh, I specifically started with musicians and artists because um, I, that's my passion. I was curious to know what kind of uh, talents were out there. And then I was able to expand that into athletes and then creators and, uh, and, and so forth. And then all of a sudden I find this like whole field of amazing of talents, but and I was just starting, I started VQ Media actually more for, I just curated the content because I was like, where can I put all this in one place? So I opened up my Instagram account and essentially that's what I was pushing out, whether it was original content or just content that I found and I reshared it and whatnot. So that was kind of the origin story of VQ Media. But given that, as, as you can see, my background also comes very heavy in creating experiences through many different mediums. I kind of leaned more into 
creating events. So event marketing is probably one of the areas that I feel is um, where we set ourselves apart. And beyond that, nobody really is just focusing on connecting all the diaspora communities. I talked about that in the, the music company that I was a part of. There's Canadian talent that I also found, European talent that I found in Australian. So within all that, there was fight, building information and content for all that was where things are organically leading to. But in order to truly be a media company, you got to also have brands that want to support and be interested in that. And that's where the fun, the journey has, has, has this year has really begun. I um, had the fortunate opportunity to work with one of the largest or actually the only Vietnamese car manufacturer, car maker in the world. And uh, I got to do, they came to me exactly for those reasons is we want to get into the Little Saigon community. You see that jacket in the back. And uh, uh, why couldn't they hire a traditional agency? Well, for those who don't know, for the listeners out there, the Vietnamese American Little Saigon community is a very complicated community because of the, this community ha, uh, has the largest community of displacement, of Vietnamese displacement, right? So, so with that, with sometimes there is, they, there's still a lot of trauma that has, um, still to this day, 40 plus years later, there's still a lot of trauma as it relates to anything that comes from the country of Vietnam. And um, so with the car brand from Vietnam, there are still some limited views that people feel that they are, uh, they have a political motive to, uh, to want to come here. So, which is far and far from the truth, right? So there's a, they reached out to me to help them bridge that conversation. So I um, created a pop-up event for them in Little Saigon for them to test it out. And the response was very overwhelming in terms of uh, what we were able to get the feedback from. So from there, I was able to get a lot of, um, get access to as far up as the global CEO. Uh, I got to meet her earlier this year at CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, which was, to be honest, quite a highlight for me to be able to be a guest for that company and be able to meet somebody of that, that, um, of, of that level was great. So to kind of wrap up my, that, this portion, uh, what makes BQ Media different is that we are now kind of becoming a place where we can help with profiling these very different Vietnam, um, micro Vietnamese communities and then get, try to be their, essentially kind of become their research arm and build a very personal, personalized marketing strategy for these brands. Yeah, that is amazing to hear. For me, with my, because I'm a Vietnamese myself, I would be very proud to work with like a Vietnamese car manufacturer in the U.S. Especially, yeah, there's uh, the, the only one in the Vietnamese car manufacturer in the U.S. at the moment. So yeah, very proud of that. And I'm very happy that VQ is able to like bring the Vietnamese community in to the different level. Yeah. So on top of that, how do you stay on top of the constantly evolving media landscape? That's tough. Well, first and foremost, I would say I 
have, I, I, I surround myself with a lot of um, young, bright, creative talent. The landscape's always is evolving. Traditional media is fastly like the content consumption patterns have changed. So we all know, especially last year, people's attention span has, um, has shortened. There's been a lot of studies about this. Long form YouTube videos or anything is that's above almost two to three minutes. If you can get your point across within 15 to 30 seconds, you're not going to have engagement. So I think with the rising platforms like TikTok and also all the major video platforms like YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook, all switching over to, uh, to short form, um, it is very, very important to really understand why a short form, ha- how to be effective doing short form. A lot of it is also text. Um, there's an editing style that one must have to really understand. Captions is extremely effective. What I mean by captions is like, for instance, I'm talking right now there, the way short form works is you'll hear, I mean, you'll see while I'm talking my transcript, which I think is kind of cool, um, but it's because not all the time people are actually even having their headphones on. That's another thing. When you're watching short form, people are in this behavior of scrolling. So if, so it's visually, it's, you got to do all these different things to get them to stop. And you have five seconds to get them to stop. So thankfully, while I was working at my startup, one of the marketing discipline that I learned quite uh, extensively was a discipline called performance marketing. So performance marketing is one of the most effective, in my opinion, one of the most effective forms of marketing. And it was used in television quite often in what we know as infomercials. So just just for everyone to know, with infomercials, the whole goal is to really get people to feel like you're missing, you have a wonderful, you have a wonderful opportunity to present, that you're going to get a tremendous amount of value. But then there, if you don't act now, like really act now, that opportunity is going to go away. So with this, with this form of um, short, with short forms kind of being that at the moment, I feel we are seeing a lot of, um, essentially, we're seeing a lot of performance marketing strategies that are being applied to um, content right, at the moment. So I think mainly to kind of keep up to date with, um, with the growing landscape of uh, digital marketing or, 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 or platforms, my biggest advice that I tend to tell people is, one, if you're a brand, be an authentic brand. And tell your story across all platforms. Do not just be a one-platform type media. So newsletters are still effective, honestly. Podcast is extremely, extremely effective. So I encourage thought leaders and uh, uh, people in different departments in their companies to create something like uh, a podcast. Um, there's still a lot of room to grow. And of course, have companies, I encourage you to also hire young creative minds because a lot of the young creative minds have, they grew up in this environment and um, it's going to be a lot less of a learning curve for them to adopt the consumer behavior and the, and the editing style. For example, for VQ, I, my background, as I said, I came from television. My editing style is long form. So my producer now, he's a 25, 26 year old who looks at my content and goes, you are keeping way too much into the video. So he 
He knows how to shoot effectively and know exactly how to edit. And I can't edit like him because I was just con- conditioned and trained a certain way. So, and I, I just recognize and acknowledge that. So I think that for companies, please, it's really important to, uh, to not only hire, but empower uh, young creatives because uh, it's a different game, guys, a different game. You know, I really love that you brought up the, you know, whole concept of a short form contents because I cannot believe how much, how many hours we spend on TikToks. Like, I don't know about you, Johnny, but sometimes like before going to bed, I could, like grab my phone and no reason I'm, I'm swiping right <laughs> well, up and up and down. Well, and it's not even just TikTok. I would say Facebook just recently reported, um, and we all know, I mean, you guys are much younger than I am, like Facebook for Gen Z specifically, it, it was dead. Like new users, the active users. But ever since they adopted the, the short form videos, they, I think end of quarter four, they put out, they nearly doubled their user reach. And Facebook as a whole is bigger globally than it is in the United States. And, uh, but because of video, purely because of short term video, it has brought people back to uh, the platform. You know, I think they were envious of TikTok for doing that. I wish, I think they were hoping that they were going to be the case, but, but, but short form, I mean, YouTube is another good example where their videos is, 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 is drastically changed. And, and it's not just, and there's so many different tools that I think YouTube has been able to create outside of all these other platforms because you can now take short clips from your long form. And then if somebody wants to get to know more about the content, you just go, you have it linked back up to your primary one. So for a guy like me who likes to talk for an hour, I can have somebody on my team do all these short clips and, uh, and get, get micro commercials of things that we, you know, that I, I, like to ramble on. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's really true. Like, you know, the power of short form contents has been really disrupting the market and not only just the, the quality of the contents, but it has been the revolution for SEO type of contents. Like, for example, my wife was actually telling me the other day, like she finds all the recipes or the, or the things that she needs to find answers to on short form contents which is crazy. And I really love that you touched uh, um, upon the performance marketing. So that actually brings to the third, well, fourth questions from us, which is, can you please share us any notable projects or campaign that your current, your company has recently worked on? So I would say in terms of currently, most of my upcoming projects for BQ is going to be based on helping brands build a community. So let me, let me expand on that. And this is a hot topic that uh, people will be searching a lot about because it's community is extremely important to build loyalty, to build a advocates. That's another, um, actually another good reason why you build communities. And then also ownership of the brand. When you have a, that level of um, investment into it, into really hearing what the community is going to, uh, you know, what they have to say, your business will have that long-term payback or long-term value of it. Like, for example, I'm going to use K-pop as a good example of this community. Oh, why? And this has been talked about mainly in the, a lot in music. Why has, why has K-pop have exceeded all levels in terms of, uh, of, 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 of growth compared to European pop or Western pop. Very simple. Very, very simple. They 
have they fully understand the fan culture. And so fan culture to a brand is also like a, uh, is the community, right? They understand that the fans are, they're nothing without their fan base. And so because the fan base, and I got to be on the receiving end of this when I uh, was in the live production company, live production business. One of the biggest shows I've done back in, uh, back in that day was I worked, uh, I got to do a K-pop show in Los Angeles for 6,500 people. And they, these, the fan base that followed us to the show knew who I was, knew where we, we, we try to trick them to tell, uh, so they don't find out where the uh, artist is staying, but they found out we had, I had to think that much further ahead, but why I'm sharing the story is that their fan base are so obsessive and they, they even, people that are anti the, try to bully them or whatever, they have their fan base come and, and, and defend them as well. So with that being said, the power of fan base is because it's a 360 experience. You have full investment from people who are supporters of the fan and, and, and ownership. So community is extremely important because whether you are, have one product or you have multiple products or you have affiliate part products, if you have a community that support that is with you and you are there for them, it's, it's going to be a 10x return. So one of the things that VQ is doing is, as I was saying earlier, is VQ is kind of the, the defining all these different micro communities within the Vietnamese diaspora. And um, from there, I'm doing that with the intention of these brands that are trying to tap into, let's say, Gen Z collegiate, like the, the, the Gen Zs in, from California or whatever, like whatever the, 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 the specific profile is, I can pair that up with the community that I'm building. Amazing. So I believe that building a community is very essential for the business, especially nowadays and especially in 2023 too, where because uh, the market is very saturated and we really need to like stand out from everyone to do marketing and building a community is one of the essential part of like to like to build a community for your product as well as like a building a customer base. So talking about that, is there any challenge that you're facing right now for building community and how do you plan to overcome it? Oh, there's plenty of challenges. I'll say the first was when I started this journey, I thought I was going to try to grab a pretty wide range, a wide age range, right? I thought I could also even grab as far as like in the 60s and plus because all of it, I thought I came in with this naiveness that all Vietnamese Americans, you know, we can all kind of come together under the same, under the same ethnicity and, and, and heritage. That's, that's far from the reality. So, and also another challenge is year after year, there's actually a lot more Vietnamese nationals or Vietnamese that were born um, in Vietnam now kind of making the move over to, um, over to America or to, to Canada. So they, their understanding of Vietnamese Americans are, 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 are very different. They don't, you know, they don't quite understand some of the, uh, the, the trauma or the healing that still needs to be had with the American born Vietnamese. Like for, for myself, I grew up uh, only knowing actually, in fact, just one flag that the, the Vietnamese Americans acknowledge. But when you bring up the, the, the national flag, which the whole world recognizes it is, um, it, it becomes a very non, 
becomes a very hard topic to unpack because you immediately have this pre-charged emotions or ideas behind it. So if I'm a Vietnamese American and I don't, and I speak about the, the national flag in, in a unifying way, the immediate response is you must be, you must be influenced by the political party, right? And that's, that's just, it's since it's, it's difficult to navigate through that. So that's kind of one of the challenges that I do want to highlight. Number two is most Vietnamese Americans, let's say like in college or the Gen Zs, don't really have quite much of a, an interest beyond learning some, some of the, the historical or some of the, or even wanting to know other products or brands that are made by Vietnamese Americans themselves because they are, there's, there's not a strong media that kind of puts that focus on, it's like the whole campaign behind like support small businesses, support local. There's not that same level of passion or interest in supporting Vietnamese American brands because they're always going to be actually hyper more sent more, um, not sensitive, more critical of Vietnamese American brands because they're like, well, you're not as good as yada yada. And we're like, well, how can we ever be that good if you're not even going to give us a shot? You're going to criticize me off the bat. So anybody, it's, it's quite a, it's a, it's an interesting, I, I, for instance, I, I fit the profile of if you are a Vietnamese American or Vietnamese, I'm going to support you. And I found out very quickly that I'm actually more in the minority category than I am in the majority. Most people can either, they either, it's not enough for them to, to care or it's, uh, it's, or they're just hypercritical. They're like, you should be even that much better. I'm like, wow. You know, so it's, uh, it's been, a, it, it's, it's been interesting to say the least, but one of the things how I'm able to overcome this is, um, I'm trying to just, the way that I'm trying to overcome this is I'm trying to highlight um, the best or the best representation of whatever I'm promoting. So if it's musicians, I used to be, my idea, my mindset was if you're, if you're trying the arts, I'm going to support you. My attitude now in 2023 is you've got to be exceptional. And I'm going to tell you offhand first how to improve. And if you want to take my, if, if you want to do this uh, in a, in a, to a higher degree, you're going to have also have to be ready for what, for what's to come and the criticism that it, it, that it is. So I'm only, um, so I guess it, to, to summarize, I'm only focusing on brands that really has the financial resources and the, and the dedication of, and leadership to push through. And same thing with entertainers and musicians and actors. They have to be obsessive about their craft. And if they're not, and just like as you guys are both in the marketing field, if you don't continue to evolve, the next, the next person that's coming out of college will continue to be much better. So don't get comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Like one of the things that we say in Marcust as well is that things change, but you know, brands should too. And I think that's something that we also need to learn as well as the market changes. And I, I mean, I, I got to be honest, like the things are really moving quickly since the pandemic and so many new companies formed, you know, things are really changing because of the market. And I'm really 
it's really challenging. I, I totally agree on that, especially don't get comfortable and trying to be more pivot, trying to think new things and to see what works and whatnot. So it's really cool that you mentioned that. Continue to welcome ideas. I'm always going to be a student and, but I'm not going to be the best at that one thing, but I know how to identify and also know when to recognize this is beyond my, my, my current scope, right? So partner, fight talent. Amazing. Well, this kind of actually leads into the next question, which is looking to the future. What are your goals and vision for the VM, for the growth and the success of your media company, VM, VAQ? Sure. So first, for to expand on community building, I'm, I'm making a bold prediction that I am going to primarily be focusing on I'm going to be focusing primarily on the Gen Zs in terms of um, as building, building the audience and listening to really what they want. Because I, from a content perspective, I know they like to laugh. That's why these meme sites are really popular. I know they like to dance. I've, I've been going on campus and checking out that. But I'm also seeing this growing trend of them feeling somewhat more proud of, of their cultural identity. For example, during a Lunar New Year in 2023, I was really really, I guess, I guess shocked. I guess shocked because um, I saw growing up, see, going to all the different Lunar New Year festivals, whether it's temple, church, or, um, and, and just get togethers. I started seeing both men and women, teenagers and, and kids wear the traditional um, Aoyai. Now, growing up when I was in college, you would never see me caught dead wearing an Aoyai. And it was uh, maybe because I, tried so hard. They were growing up in the 90s. All we cared about was trying to assimilate and fit in into the American culture that wearing something that clearly identifies us as Asian American or Vietnamese American, what we felt embarrassed by. And I, I, I can honestly say that was the case. Uh, so what, what I found this year, I just saw, and not only was it the, um, the younger teenagers and, and young adults, but a lot more guys closer to my age, um, I'm 41, and we were all wearing it proudly. And I think it, there's a, there's a sense of people kind of going back to, hey, we are, we have two, two identities that we, we, we are American as well as Vietnamese. So I, I, I like to, I, I, most of my hypothesis is that there is this pride that I feel they're, they're starting to, this next generation is, is interested in, but I also think that there's a lot more that work that needs to be done from an academic, an ac academic level. There's a lot of history that I think a lot of um, young, young adults are not quite briefed on because we, it, it's for most, most of the listeners, just, you know, like, uh, like the people that grew up here in America, our Vietnamese history oh, ends essentially after 1975. So most history after that, like um, from 75 on up, most of us here in America, we don't. When the war ended, most Vietnamese Americans only recognized it up until that point. So it's a very, it's, and it's usually actually only you, not, you learn it not in literature, you kind of learn it from your, um, just whatever your aunties and uncles and your parents share with you. And, and from that generation, they didn't share much, guys. So just, uh, most people that um, did come over here during that displacement, when the fall of Saigon happened, it was very traumatic so for anybody who can, you can only imagine. Uh, there's been, there's been a couple other ethnic groups that went through something similar. The Afghanis just went through something very similar to the Vietnamese where they, a lot of them had to leave because of government change, right? And um, 
imagine telling them, hey, let's talk about, let's talk about the home country. Most of them don't want to think about that or expand on that. So their kids don't really get to learn everything and what it means to be Vietnamese. I was always challenged with, hey, what are you doing to be more Vietnamese? I'm like, I don't know, like eat more pho, you know, like it's like we, we, we're, we're there, there's just, there's, there's so much to, there's still more, more, more knowledge to kind of gain before you can get, get better insight. So what I encourage a lot of um, younger people to do at this very moment also is encourage, I encourage them to make a trip back to um, Vietnam once for tourism sake. And also just to, you know, you, I, I feel the only way you, for you to really understand what being Vietnamese is, go into a country where everyone's Vietnamese. Like that's, um, and I think from there, once I encourage a lot more younger folks to go back or even folks my age who've never been back to the country, I think that's when this next gen, um, this next uh, journey of, um, is going to be interesting because that's when someone like in, uh, me um, in media is able to make, make an impact because then creators will start creating content that will have representation of uh, to de- help further define this particular this topic right so i think it's um going to be the challenge the challenge is trying to navigate this bridging the gap message without being labeled and what i've been labeled as a communist sympathizer in 2023 that is still used against um, someone like me who is trying to essentially have people think a different way, learn about, go to the country, go to the country and, and see for yourself and, and then come back and bring your two cultures together. Yeah, amazing. I believe so too. And I see there's a growing trend of people, uh, like Vietnamese people over here starting to be proud of of who who they are and i really appreciate it as well and with that let's go to the last question do you have any advice for business leader out there that want to level up their marketing strategy yeah work with a company like you guys <laughs> that's what so i yes absolutely i think with um, marketing for small businesses i mean don't be afraid to actually look for help outside of outside of your, 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 your circle, right? Like one of the most common things that I see, especially with small mom and pops are, are professional organizations, like small like legal or real estate professionals is they usually tend to hire their, um, their, uh, their cousin or their daughter and they, they put them in position, big positions like social media manager. I'm sorry, social media manager is a very big role now. It is a very key role because social media has become much more impactful than traditional media. So having somebody who posts social media for their own content, for their personal content, is very different for a business. So I think that uh, one of the things that a lot of uh, business owners have to do is realize that they're good at selling something, stick, stick to that, but look towards hiring young, start, um, young companies to uh, and outsource your marketing. There's a uh, marketing, I feel there's a lot of uh, great, business models where it's, you're u- utilizing the, the, the vision and creativity from the American side, but then you can also have a lot of the technical work being outsourced to countries that are, are growing as well. Vietnam, South America, as well as we all know, like in India, they have a lot of phenomenal um, talent as well. So I think that working with small marketing companies is going to be very helpful. And 
Also, another advice that I give to small businesses is video and being ready to be content, be ready to not produce content, but be content conscious of like, we are, we live in a very, we live in a very visual and value driven society right now. So like if your brand or your company does not have any kind of visibility or any kind of like professional pictures, like if you don't have even a clean website, like basics. So go to the basics of these things and make sure you have, and, and I think back in the early 2000s, making a website was much more complicated. Today, there's so many affordable, there's ones you can do yourself, which is cool to learn, but I encourage having still a professional team do it. Or there's a, or hire an agency. I'm, I'm a big believer in just collaborating and partnering with agency because an agency will actually continue to grow with you. So I feel they'll be lazy about it and it will pay itself, pay off it for itself because branding, I feel branding is everything in I'm going, I'm going into 2023 and building, building that relationship with your, your customer base is equally as important. Awesome, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your experience and knowledge that you have shared with us. It's truly amazing. And we cannot be how grateful we are to have you and to be hosting you for our podcast. But however, that brings us to the end of our episode. Once again, thank you so much, Johnny, for joining us today. We're going to be having, if you want to learn more about Johnny and his businesses, we're going to be putting some links and description in in our our podcast descriptions. So please go and check it out. And once again, we hope this episode was really beneficial for you. And as always, thank you so much for listening to Supercharge with Digital Marketer. And if you enjoy our show, please follow or rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're also available on Google and Amazon Music as well. And be sure to come back for another episode for our next discussion. And until then... This is um, Kazuki. I'm the co-host of this podcast and also alongside with me, Crystal. And don't forget, don't stop and keep leaving. See you next time. <laughs>